What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. But before we dive into tonight's show, do me a favor and hit the like button. Remember that every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. Having said that, and as you guys hit that like button, let's talk about Leighton Banderesh tonight. I was, you know, kind of going through potential topics that we could have for today's show. And I thought talking about linebacker would be smart because if you guys heard him talk to the media recently, you will, you will notice that he is, first and foremost, I will say it out loud right now, such an underrated leader in the team. And he will play a very underrated role on the 2023 team. And I think we don't talk about him enough in that sense. McCarthy recently talked about him too, by the way. Uh, we'll get into some of his top quotes. Let me say hi really quickly. We've got Jay Money who says, all y'all need to shut your, you know, you know what Trayvon Diggs told Dak Prescott. Mark Aaron, thank you, sir. We've got Bruce as well in the show. We've got Katharina, John Jones, Gregory, Toxic Tom. Everyone, welcome to the show. First and foremost, though, let's get into the comment from Leighton Van Der Esch about the reason why this Cowboys defense could really take itself to the next level in 2023. And it doesn't have to do with the arrival of all-pro cornerback Stephon Gilmore, although that matters, obviously. And it also does not have to do with the arrival of nose tackle Massey Smith which also matters. Instead, Leighton Van Der Esch talked about something else, and it was the following. He said, being a third-year defense that is all together and we haven't lost any pieces. We have kept everybody together. We have the ability to do something really special. Honestly, this is way more important than what many of us would think at first, probably. Because at first, it feels like players speak, right? Oh, it's another year of being together. Uh, we've got better chemistry. I think you can hear, hear that probably across the entire NFL. doesn't matter if the defensive coordinator is gone. As long as a couple of players are together, you might hear something similar. However, this is so real for the Cowboys defense. You've got... Assume that Jonathan Hankins stops being the starting nose tackle of the Cowboys uh, right away, like starting in week one. I think we all expect Massey Smith to kind of earn that role early in the season, but we don't know yet if it will happen week one. Assume that Jonathan Hankins is your nose tackle, Osa is your three technique, and then Vander, uh, excuse me, Lawrence and Parsons are your edge rushers. That's three or four defensive linemen back on the starting lineup, plus Dante Fowler, Durrance Armstrong, and Sam Williams being the next man up at the position. Pretty, pretty similar group to last year's. Linebacker changes quite a bit because Anthony Barr is off the table, 
at least for now, that is. But still, your two projected starting linebackers are the same ones that, you know, finished the season last year, which were Leighton Van Der Esch, Damon Clark. I know that it got a little bit blurry there towards the end of the season, but Clark got his, his starts uh, last year, and he played quite a lot of football. In the secondary, pretty much the one piece that you are swapping out is Anthony Brown for Stephon Gilmore, and that is an upgrade. You cannot look at that as a loss even. So if you go position by position, the defense is almost exactly the same. And what Leighton Van Der Esch alludes to here, it goes beyond that. It's not only about having the same level of defense or the same talent that finished in the top three of the NFL in defensive EPA per more than that. It's also the understanding of the defense and Dan Quinn's understanding of the players that he is working with too. And I've, th this is not going to be the first time that I mentioned this, but I like bringing it up again and again because I think it's very applicable to where the Cowboys are at. But Vance Joseph, for an interview with The Athletic a few years ago when he was with the Cardinals, uh, uh, he talked about how first year of a defense, like a defensive coordinator arrives at a team, he teaches the defense, and everyone understands the fundamentals of it. By year two, they understand the intricacies of it a little bit better. They know what the change-ups are, and they can really adapt to the adjustments made by the coach week by week. But by year three, you know, when players are in year three of a successful scheme, not only do they understand the rules, but they can break them to their advantage without the coach's help. While they are on the field, they understand the rules so well that they get to find, you know, those opportunities. When they see something that the offense, opposing offense, had no, not shown on tape, they understand how to adjust by themselves, right? And maybe next drive, they already get the coach's insight. But that explanation by Vance Joseph a few years ago really stuck with me because I think right now it applies so well for the Cowboys. So this isn't an off-the-cuff kind of like player-type comment by Leighton Van Der Esch. It really does provide a lot of insight, in my opinion, into one of the biggest reasons why the Cowboys could be even better next year. Not only that, but how many of these guys are young players who are going to be way more experienced? Micah himself. Micah is already an old pro player, but he is still a guy that has been rushing the passer at this level two years. <laughs> let's, let's remember that for a moment. Didn't play in Penn State final year. Year before that, he was a linebacker. So it's kind of like this weird thing where you just look at him and you say, man, Micah has been doing what he's doing a very short while. And he can get even better now. That's one of the things that Andrew Whitworth, future Hall of Fame offensive tackle that's been working with Micah very closely this offseason, said recently in an interview. He said, what impresses me the most about Micah, uh, apart from his relentlessness, which he also mentioned and even compared him to Aaron Donald, was the fact that he's pretty new to the position and he's already producing at the level that he is producing. So Micah going into year three, but also 
Demon Clark with a full Demon Clark with a full offseason of work, which he had not had last year. Daron Bland, another offseason of work and getting much more reps because he's expected to start this time around. That matters. And then you get into even Trayvon Diggs, one more year of experience. Donovan Wilson, even though we're not talking about rookie-ish players anymore. But all of that matters very, very much. And you got to love all of that. Let's see some of your comments, though, here. Do you agree or disagree that this defense being in its third year is perhaps the biggest reason why the defense is going to be elite in 2023? Let me know in the chat. We've got many comments that I want to get to here very quickly. The Reaper says, also, Lou is back by week five, so our depth is going to be crazy. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Jordan Lewis because that's such a weird scenario, though, uh, there for the Cowboys. Like, we kind of forget that Jordan Lewis was actually out there starting games for the Cowboys and being pretty decent at his job. Um, People talking about the scrimmages, they're not trying to display all this talent and depth. And, And I think that, you know, you can get through training camp and do what you want to do in training camp without having to getting to the whole scrimmage situation, this formal scrimmage, right? Mark Aaron says they save like $4.7 million if they release Lewis. As long as they believe he's going to be healthy at one point, I don't know why you would release Lewis. Like the reason why you would, again, is if you don't have any sort of faith in the shape that he's going to be in when he does return. If that is the reason why you're releasing him, I'm fine with it, of course. But only the team knows that at this point. However, if you believe that he's going to get back to his level, that's a player you want on your roster. That is a player that you 100% want on your roster. He was a starter for the Cowboys and a very decent one. Like If you compare his numbers to the rest of the nickel defenders in the NFL out of the slot, man, he was pretty damn decent. And when he got, when he went down against the Lions last season, what was it, week six or seven? Uh, I, I, I pounded the table saying that it was a very difficult injury and that we should treat it as such. We should look at it as such. Of course, The key factor there was Bland stepping up big time, which is very promising going into 2023. But Jordan Lewis was uh, a very, very solid player that I hope is able to return in a healthy way. And as such, I hope that he's able to play when when needed, of course. Let's see. He agrees, says Gregory. Lost in translation says, Mo, this defense is going to be special. Can't beat experience, Mo, says John. I can agree, says Mark Aaron, plus we added the good players. Tony Gloria says, yes, the defense is finally coming together with experience. It's going to be exciting this year. And then Tony had also said, Dak being more involved with calling his own place or changing the call at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be fun to watch. For those of you, by the way, who want to hear more about this topic, we had a show a couple of nights ago where we talked about what CD Lamb had said about precisely this, about how Dak Prescott has more control of this offense than ever before. If you're interested in that, 
going to the ADC Sports Dallas YouTube page or, or on Facebook, and you will find that uh, it was from, I think, Monday's show. Yeah, Monday's show. Let's see. I agree. The defense was good last year. There's always room for, to be better. John says, uh, Micah has passion. He's a leader. Man, yeah, I'm excited about Leighton Vanderesh saying that because I think it is more important than what first meets the eye, right? But Leighton Vanderesh, hearing him talk to the media the other day was pretty exciting because I feel like we don't give him enough credit. And I remember during the season last year having this conversation on the show and it being perhaps one of the most controversial episodes of primetime that we've had because Cowboys Nation does not see eye to eye. Like there, there is a divided group of fans when it comes to number 55. So my question from me to you is, is Van der Resch overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Let me know in the chat. What do you think entering 2023? We can talk about him as a player, and we will. And we will even move on to a potential new role that we could be seeing from him in 2023. But before we do that, before we do that, or while you that do that uh, more precisely, oh man, this is not it. Where's the quote that I wanted to show you? Okay, there you go. Oh man, I'm spoiling the entire show here. This is a quote that I wanted to get to. I love seeing Damon Clark's development and he's just in that steady climb up and just telling him to keep it day by day, take things day by day, it doesn't matter if you had a good practice yesterday. doesn't matter if you had a bad practice yesterday. It's being here now in the present. Yeah, this is just a comment about leadership from LVE. But I like it because it reminded me of one of my favorite Micah Parsons rookie season moments where he was out there in preseason just presenting himself to us. You remember that. You remember the fact that he did play in the Hall of Fame game, right? against the Steelers of that year. And we were all like wowed by him. We were like, wait a second. This, move, this man moves faster than what I thought he moved like. And it was pretty cool to watch that, right? I'm sure you remember that feeling. And then there was this moment that they caught on camera between and, and on mic'd up between Micah and LVE. And LVE was like, Man, you're trying to make every play. Stop doing that. You, you cannot make every play. You're not going to do that in the NFL. You need to do your job. And many people took that the wrong way. And many people were like, man, Leighton Banderesh has that mindset. Why? That's why he is, you know, not at the level that Micah could be at, et cetera, et cetera. But it was perhaps one of the best advice that you could give a rookie trying to make all the plays. Because it is true. If you, if you, deviate from your job to try to be the hero, you're going to leave a gap open. You're going to mess up the play for the defense because what you're trying to do to be the hero is already somebody else's assignment. And that's how you stop playing solid defense. And I think in a way, like combining that comment with this comment that he made to Demon Clark, it really goes to show just how much he matters within the locker room, especially when you consider that the guy is a green dot defender. He is a communicator, as Mike McCarthy mentioned early this week, of the Cowboys defense. 
And not only is he, I'm actually going to read your comments first here, and I'm going to give you my answer to the question here. But the question was, in the chat, is he overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Bruce says, rated just right. Guru says, I think that LV is a decent, serviceable type. Katharina says, underrated for sure. Properly rated for Gregory. John agrees with that. Uh, properly rated for Lance. Tots is underrated big time. Imagine life without LVE. And that's why I would lean towards saying underrated. Because first and foremost, I do think he's good. Like, I, I look at him as a good player. But I also think one of the players that I least want to go down injured has to be this guy, LVE. And I'm not talking just because of the lack of depth, which is a big reason why, too. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm also talking about the fact that, you know, we're talking about the Cowboys going into year three of the Dan Quinn era on defense. And we're talking about how much that matters. If your communicator went down, that's a big problem because he's probably one of the players that better, that best understands the system from a captain point of view. And when I say captain, I don't mean, you know, wearing the C on the chest or anything like that. I mean, being the quarterback of the defense. If LVE goes down, you're in trouble because of that. I, I don't know who would take on the green dot. We know that Jaron Kears at one point worried. It wouldn't be the Mon Clark just automatically, right? It would have to be LVE from that. Uh, I mean, somebody that knows the system from that point of view. And man, LVE losing him would be pretty tough. So that's why I'm going with underrated. And I actually tweeted about this earlier today. I said that, you know, um, man, I, I love that I got to check my own tweet because I forget about stuff. I got to say it, Cowboys fans underrate the heck out of LV and I don't like it. That was my tweet over at Mao NFL. That's M-A-U NFL. And let's see here. Toxic says he's underrated. It's hard to find LV in today's NFL, especially mentally. Mark Aaron says that he hears that uh, Jabril Cox is looking good in practice. Guru says LV is an above average, but he doesn't make big turnovers. But man, you know what? Speaking of that, Guru, he is pretty underrated as like in coverage. The guy is pretty good in coverage. And that's one of the point of emphasis that the Cowboys want him to excel at. The Reaper says LV is so underrated. It is crazy. One reason Clark, when I... Uh, when I was there and he wasn't, oh, when he wasn't there and when LVE, excuse me, I read that L as an I, my bad. When LVE was there and when he wasn't, it was literally night and day. Did you see our running defense? It went from really good to bad. Yeah. And I don't, I don't understand. One of the top knocks on LVE is that people will go out there and they will act as if, he got the gap wrong in every single one of the plays. And I just, I remember when we, when we were working with that theory and we were trying to debunk it last season, like I just watched the tape and focused on LVE solely. And yeah, I mean, NFL teams ran on the Cowboys here and there, but LVE was not out there making mistakes as some people in social, in, on social media would have you try to believe or try to think. So LVE to me is one of the best leaders the Cowboys have within the locker room. 
He is the quarterback of the defense and one that would be terribly hard to replace. And number three, he is a quite good cover linebacker. And he is not that bad against the run as some people will make him out to be. I hate that LV gets a lot of hate on social media. I do agree that linebacker is a thin group of players right now for Dallas. And I will agree that his injury history and his neck history is has to be a part of the conversation, sure. But to be knocking him as a player, at least when he is healthy, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Gregory says, overshown will help. And man, overshown is getting exciting because I have not seen many clips from him in practice, but people who are out there in Oxnard are, you know, talking about how much he's played and about how much the coaching staff likes the guy. So overshown feels like a guy that we're going to get to see at this point in, in, in the season. Like I would be surprised if we don't see overshown either lead special teams and snaps or something like that, like being the top three, top five right away. And maybe in the case of injury or something like that, uh, we might even see him on defense. That would surprise me a little bit, like if it's not because of injuries. But watch out for Overshown because it does seem like the Cowboys coaches like him a good deal, particularly Dan Quinn. And man, Quinn the coach has been great in Dallas, but so has Quinn the scout or the talent evaluator. He's been awesome for the Cowboys in that way. Anyways, moving on a little bit here, but sticking with LVE, we might be seeing him in a new role, sort of, this season. Because he also talked about playing edge. He was asked about it. Reporters have been saying that LVE has been rushing the passer quite often in practice. And he was asked about it this week, and he said, absolutely playing edge has been fun, just taking pride in growing my game and being able to be a dynamic and just be a ball player, really. And he talked about, you know, just getting on the field, how that matters. Watch out for LVE. We, I, don't, I don't know if we were going to see more from him as a pass rushing linebacker. And it wouldn't be like, I mean, this is just me guessing. I think it would probably be like in blitz scenarios. I looked at the numbers really quickly. And I thought it was, this was interesting. In 2021, he actually had three games in which he blitzed nine times. That's a pretty high number. Like having nine blitzes as a linebacker in three different games is crazy. In 2022, that wasn't the case. He just had five maximum in any single game because I was trying to really just like account for the time off with injuries, etc., but not even when he was healthy, like five was the most blitzes that he had in 2022. I don't know what LBE, I don't know how much LBE can spend at edge though. Like, I'm not entirely sure what to expect here. I wouldn't get too hyped about the possibility of him being featured in that area for many reasons. What I do think is going to keep happening because it happened a lot last year and we broke down some of those plays here on the show is that they're going to get him up in the line of scrimmage a lot, whether it's at edge 
or whether it's mugged up over the A-gap or just trying to like demand the attention of a guard even. The Cowboys did that a lot with him and just not even rush the passer necessarily. Just kind of like simulate the pressure to mess up with the opponent's pass protection schemes. The Cowboys did a lot of that last year to free up Micah, to free up the Marcus Lawrence, and they were pretty efficient with it. And they also did it with Donovan Wilson. But here's the thing. In order to do that, you need to shoot them. You cannot just walk up Leighton Van Der Esch every single day out there. And if they happen to... If, if, if he happens to walk up to the line of scrimmage and then he never blitzes, then it's not a scary sight for opponents, right? So if you're going to walk him up to simulate the pressure and kind of like mess up with opponents' pass pros, then he needs, to, he needs to go after the quarterback. And that's why he did do that last year sometimes. And Donovan Wilson, the same. I mean, Donovan Wilson ended the season with five sacks. And I think that's kind of an underrated aspect of the Cowboys' pass rush. That is the pressure the signs from Dan Quinn. Like, it's not only Micah being an absolute beast and beating offensive tackles and humiliating them. It's also how good Dan Queen has been at putting his players in a position to succeed. And I'm excited about what Massey Smith brings to the table in that area because Massey can really line up in top of a center and just generate chaos in that sense and keep opponents from sliding one way or the other. I think we're going to see a lot of those special fronts with Masi on top of the center, and then Micah maybe super wide, and Lawrence kind of isolated on the guard, and just eat, right? They Nothing new. They did that in 2022. I just think that Masi allows them to do even more of that. Because if you get that kind of formation, what you probably want to do is run the football, but having a, some, someone who can eliminate gaps like Masi Smith can, or how they hope he can, uh, really changes the math. He, he, he changes the math that way. Uh, let's see here. The Reaper says, are they trying to make LVE what Matthew was at Green Bay? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Lan I, I wouldn't say so necessarily, but it could be an interesting comparison for sure. Lance says, certain blitz packages. Yep. Todd says, I would rather see Donovan Wilson and Overshone rushing the passer. Toxic says LBE as a pass rusher is like Frankenstein doing a salsa dance. It just doesn't fit. I think, although I'm not going to say that LBE is a good pass rusher, like I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I think part of the magic of those pressure designs from Dan Quinn is that it can be, it can be Wilson. It can also be Donovan, uh, excuse me, Leighton Van Der Esch. It can also be Jaron Kears. It can be pretty much anybody. And it's just that constant pressure and stress on the offense of not knowing what to make of the ridiculously odd fronts that the Cowboys can present sometimes. And I don't mean odd front as in an odd front, just as in weird front. Because we've seen a lot of weird stuff from Dallas. We've seen times where like you've got three players on the line from the guard to the outside and then just one on the other side of the offensive line, right? Like one defender. And it looks like there's this huge gap through where the offense can run, but then it somehow 
somehow they cannot do it. And it's so, so fun to watch. I'm, I really love what Dan Quinn brings to the table in that way. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we move on and before we say goodbye, I just wanted to take a moment to celebrate the fact that football is back tomorrow. Kinda. It's the Hall of Fame game. Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets. The game will suck. It will. It will be bad football on TV. Let's just face it. Let's get that out of the way. By the third quarter, we're going to be, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it through this game. And that's okay. However, I'm pretty excited about the Hall of Fame class. Because as you guys know, it is the 2023 class of the Hall of Fame. That's the main event of tomorrow, basically. And we've got several several uh, characters that we are going to care about. So let me know in the chat. And obviously, we've got two guys that are going in as Ultimate Cowboys, right? Chuck Howley, DeMarcus Ware, Zach Thomas is also going to be in that class. And there are some well-known players like Daryl Revis, uh, Revis, excuse me, uh, Revis Island, of course, Ronda Barber, Don Coriel, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Joe Klecko. Let me know in the chat, who are you going to be the most excited about tomorrow night when they are inducting them or presenting them at least at halftime? Who are you going to be the most excited about and who are, who's in that inductment are you most excited about uh, on Saturday when they do the speeches and everything like that? Let me know. Because I have, like, man, as my answer, obviously, for me, it's got to be the Marcus Ware. Because that's one of the guys that I watched on TV religiously growing up and just absolutely loving what he did every single Sunday. He's one of the guys that I remember wanting to cry about as a kid when he was gone from Dallas and when he had signed with the Denver Broncos. So to me, it's got to be DeMarcus Ware. But I've got a close second. I've got a close second. Let me know in the chat. What do you, what do you guys think? John says DeMarcus Ware. Lance goes with Chuck Howley. Katharina says DeMarcus Ware. Gregory goes with Ware. Toxic says Zach Thomas. He had better numbers than some linebackers who are in the hall, and he got passed over for way too long. Oh, by the way, Ware, in his second year in the ballot, got passed by way too long, too, in my opinion. Uh, Joe Klecko is another one who should have been in years ago, so it's toxic. D. Ware for Lance. Gilbert goes, goes with Chalk. John goes with Chalk. As you guys know, and as you guys will hear, Tyrod Leslie tomorrow and throughout the entire weekend, the only Super Bowl MVP to come from a losing team. And by the way, I read up on this and we had a show about it too. Kind of like reading the newspapers of the day. And that sounded like a not fun Super Bowl. They call it the blooper bowl even. That's also part of the reason why Chalk got the MVP. And of course, I'm not uh, taking any merit away from his career. I just think that the Super Bowl narrative is pretty funny. But give me Don Coriel as my second to the Marcus Ware. You know, with Chuck Howley, I obviously I'm excited about it and everything. 
but I mean, it, it loses certain value that the fact that I didn't watch him at all play football. And Don Coriel, I obviously did not see coach, but I love Exynos and I love reading about the history of the NFL. I just never understood why Don Coriel was not in the Hall of Fame. I know that the Super Bowl is a big thing, etc. But this guy is the reason why we have routries. <laughs> He's a, one of the fathers of football language when it comes to offense and one of the fathers of football philosophy as well. What Bill Walsh did for the horizontal passing game, Don Coriel essentially did for the vertical passing game. And obviously, it's a blurry business coaching. and You don't know who invented what, and everyone takes ideas from each other. But to me, Coriel had to be in there years ago. So I'm also excited about him joining the hall. Uh, the hall is bittersweet indeed, because Mark Aaron says, feel bad that Holy didn't get in a long long time ago he's in poor health his son is actually making the speech on saturday and and he's gonna be in there as in representation of shock so yeah it's always bittersweet and sometimes you say like come on man why didn't you do that before i know that Bach o'neill for example in baseball recently went into the hall of fame and it was like cool but also you were like oh he he should have he should have been around for that right and it's always bittersweet in that sense. And then I'm also excited about, about Joe Thomas and Rivas as well. Uh, again, because these are players that I got to watch. And it's pretty funny to grow up watching the NFL. And there's this age where, or this period of time where you really don't care about the Hall of Fame all that much unless you're like a super historian kid maybe but you don't care too much about who goes in because you didn't get to watch many of these players and for the last few years it's been pretty cool for me to start you know kind of like having players that i really care about go into the hall of fame on a yearly basis and i can imagine that it's going to be pretty fun like a, a even more years from now to kind of like only see players that I got to watch going to the Hall of Fame. That is going to be pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow we've got football back on. We're still going to see each other from prime for prime time, of course, as we do throughout the entire season. But do me a favor. That's the wrong button. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Hit the thumbs up if you enjoyed the show because that helps me put this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. Thank you so much for tuning in. That will be it for me tonight here on the show. I hope that you guys have a fantastic Wednesday night. And I will see you el día de mañana. Muchísimas gracias. Bye-bye.